Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Christopher Ifill, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Ian Collis, John Dulong, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, and Poolside123. Become a Patreon backer of our podcast today for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. So, so your so your cat stepped on the on the mouse pad, was it? Yeah, truly, it was a Halloween fright. Uh, <laughs> my my cat stepped on the F nine key and the F N key, which uh, makes it so the mouse pad is locked. Um, and it's funny when I googled the issue, uh, all the people on Yahoo Answers were like, "My cat stepped on my on my computer, and now now the the mouse pad's locked." So I don't I don't foresee someone actually doing that on purpose ever it just seems like something for cats to do um, yes you know that you know, a lot some people will some people give, give me give me guff or just wonder like hey when are you and when are you and jenna gonna get like a cat or something and i'm like well for like, reasons well, just such as this <laughs> that would intrude upon my uh professional recording so obviously i have i cannot have a feline friend that's yes, yeah. In that voice too, I use that voice. Yeah, exactly. No, you're you're right, Will. I I history will uh, show me as a fool because if I die in my apartment, my cat will eat my eyeballs. Uh, so, <laughs> hey know. everybody, welcome to the episodic Arthur podcast, broadcasting on PBS Kids. Uh, and but actually, well, appropriate for this time of the year, eyeball eating and all. Uh, this is Elwood City Limits. The E stands for eyeball. It stands for Elwood. This is uh, Will Young, your host, and uh, that's uh, my co-host, the uh, the owner of the vindictive cat who doesn't care if he lives or dies, Lucas Mancini. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. So uh, do you have a costume for this year? No, I'm going to Moncton when all the Halloween parties are happening to see the UFC down in New Brunswick with my oh. dad. So I actually, I, I'm a little bit bummed because I will be missing out on all the Halloween festivities. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, what's the what's the main event over in Moncton? Uh, so in Moncton, we have Volkan Ozdemir. They call him No Time because he's Swiss. He actually looks like Cesaro. You'd get a kick out of this. He, he has the exact same haircut as Cesaro. He looks like him. Uh, but they call him No Time because he knocks out people very quickly. And what's the Swiss famous for? Why? Manufacturing their watches. So after he knocks someone out, he looks at an invisible watch on his hand and says, <laughs> you know, it took him no time. And then we also have uh, Artem Loboff, one of Conor McGregor's buddies, uh, fighting Michael Johnson. So that'll also uh, be a fun fight. Um, I might not be wearing a costume, but I'll uh, get my fair share of costumes in, in terms of seeing them uh tomorrow i got tickets to halcon so i'm gonna i'm gonna check that out tomorrow which i'm excited for oh man i forgot that's this weekend holy crap i uh i haven't been to a halcon in years it's really uh, different than it used to be i, I remember that one year where they didn't plan for how many people they were gonna have and then the fire marshal kicked everybody out um, I was I was like, I was there. Was that the last one you went to? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jenna it's, got kicked out. Uh, two of my friends. Um, a funny story about that one is they won tickets uh, from a radio contest. You'll get a kick out of this. Um, mm. And they were like the most expensive tickets you could get. They were like Galaxy passes, so like two hundred forty dollar like oh, passes. Oh yeah, all inclusive. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so they got those. But then when everybody was getting kicked out, uh, you would bring your passes in and you'd get a refund. Yeah, um, and so uh, a buddy, a buddy of theirs, not even them, a buddy of theirs brought their passes in uh, and got the full two hundred forty dollar refund uh, for the free for the free tickets they won on uh, the radio. That's great. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's really. But smart. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even think of that. Halcott has gotten better since. It's 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 a bigger deal now, and it's more well organized and all that stuff. Crunchyroll is going to be there this year, which I'm super excited for. Uh, check out the Crunchyroll booth. I'm like the number one Crunchyroll fan in Nova Scotia, so uh, that's I uh, I'd love to go. I'd love to go back some year. Uh, maybe probably just for a day. My favorite. My favorite part of that was always the uh, um, 
it was always the merchandise tables. I always really liked seeing who was kind of selling their stuff. I was never much for like guest panels or anything like that. And when I was going there in the first few years, some of the panels that were run were like not super great. But uh, you know, I I had some good times. I remember that. No, same there's year. a there's a panel this year that's just called. Uh, a friend of mine was reading me the description. It's like, come discuss Attack on Titan. <laughs> oh. Like, do you like Attack on Titan? Come talk about it. Which, hey, not to yuck anybody's yum, but that was funny to me. Yeah. I I guess it's like if we had a panel about Arthur, we'd just be like, come discuss Arthur. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what? That's a good point. I shouldn't, uh, uh, I I shouldn't, uh, no, I shouldn't knock it till I try it because I, you know, uh, when I was going, it's just like all those ones where it's like, come talk about your favorite show with nobody who's worked on it. It just sounds like kind of a big circle jerk. I'll tell you what, though. I'm on the hunt. You talk about merchandise. I'm on the hunt for Nendroids. You know me, baby. I'm always trying to hustle, get me some Nendroids. And they're hard to find around here. Um, so I'm hoping there's going to be at least one table that's got those Nendroids on deck. Looking for a Zero Two from Darling in the Flanks. Franks On the hunt for maybe like a, a, a Solid Snake, one of the Pop Team Epic Gals. We'll see. We'll see what we can find. All right. Well, good luck. And uh, I do hope you have a good time this weekend. But before we get there, uh, it's time for our uh, episode here of Arthur. And we're going to get started with, of course, uh, emails that are sent over to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And before we even get into the emails, I keep interrupting myself, but this is important. Uh, I want to thank our newest patron patron, subscriber. He is a patriot for subscribing to us on Patreon. (laughs) Uh, that would be Dan, Mike Dawson, Silva. Thank you for your donation, Dan. We are this close to ten. Uh, we are this close to ten patrons. At which point, we will open up the private Discord server. Let's and go. Maybe I'll, ha- maybe I'll have to dust off that old uh, Overwatch disc that I have. Yes, Arborthan Overwatch meetups. I'm excited. That'll be fun. And if you and of course we have the message up at the top. So let's get into the emails now. Again, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, we just got in We got in one under the wire uh, here from Daniel Silva, uh, who's been really getting into the podcast of late. He's just finished the episode where Arthur meets Mr. Rogers in his podcast backlog. Uh, listening to the episode made me want to recommend to both of the hosts and to any listeners uh, the podcast History Honeys. Uh, they apparently have an episode that covers the history of PBS. Uh, so how it was formed... Uh, highlights in its history and notable shows over its time, including Arthur. Uh, and yeah, so there you go. That's some some Arthur bonus listening. I'll have to. I'm gonna check this out. I'm gonna download this after we're done recording here. Yeah, that actually does sound really cool. I'm always open to new podcasts, so I, I got to check that out. Me um, too. I came across a podcast the other day called Blink 155. Uh, oh yeah! Uh, it is a podcast where there's 155 Blink 182 songs, and they review each one one episode at a time. Man, there's a <laughs> podcast for everything now. Uh, thank you, Daniel, and we also have one from Aaron. And uh, Aaron says that I know that some content is restricted for Patreon supporters in the filibuster segments. Uh, we just did one on horror movie picks recently. If you'd like to hear that, and Lucas's thoughts on the recent anime season. Aaron is interested in knowing any plans that we have for Halloween this year. Uh, I, for one, have no real plans, unfortunately, other than watching some Halloween specials. Uh, So, Lucas, you talked you're going to be in uh, Moncton. I am going to be in Moncton, though I am going to try and watch uh, as many John Carpenter movies as possible uh, before I head out to Moncton. So, that's the extent of my Halloween plans. Um, Yeah. I'm going to be working on Halloween, uh, but my hope is that pretty soon uh, Jen and I have been watching the Scream movies. Uh, Ooh, underrated. Re- I like Scream 1 a lot. Oh, Scream 1 is great. It's the other ones that... Uh, <laughs> it's every you know. other... Well, listen, I'll, I would much rather watch Scream 4 or Scream 2 than watch the dreaded... I'm getting really close to my microphone. Scream Netflix series. Yeah, I watched the first episode of that and pieced out. I watched all of it. It's one of those shows that Emily watches. It's one of those shows Emily watches, watched, and I watched over my laptop. Uh, That show is not good. (laughs) (laughs) No, yes, I I agree from what little I saw. Uh, Other than that, uh, one of my Halloween traditions is watching uh, Garfield's Halloween Adventure. Classic, classic 
Halloween special. If you haven't seen it, you can probably find it on YouTube. It is a joy, and uh, Lorenzo Music is my Garfield. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much going to be it. I, I'm, I usually don't have any Halloween plans. I always like to think that this will be the year that I really come up with a killer costume, but it's never going to be the year, unfortunately. Uh, on that Wasn't note, there a it, year you were, like, 2016? Was it 2015 or 2016 where you went as the year? It was 2016. Uh, I was a fan was of I, I was a fan of that one, especially because the farther we get from 2016, the funnier it gets. Yeah, nobody got it. Nobody got it though. I did that at work, and it's like <laughs> I barely get it. I just needed to, needed a costume. Uh, on that note, Aaron says, "I am wondering if you have any thoughts on the newest Arthur Halloween special, which aired on PBS last year. This is probably an unpopular opinion, but I believe it is the best Arthur episode or special ever made. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I, uh, also I'm, I haven't seen it. Me." Uh, you know, as much as people like to describe Be It Will as Arthur experts, our expertise really starts to end in the motion tween years of Arthur. Uh, if we ever get there, it'll be all new experiences. Uh, mm. So I, I, there's a lot of that stuff that I just haven't seen. Uh, Aaron also says, lately starting to feel like I'm the only one who spells Halloween with an apostrophe. So H-A-L-L-O-W-E apostrophe E-N. What are your opinions on that? I don't know. I always just kind of I I'm really curious as to where that comes from. It seems like a really old school spelling of Halloween and uh, the like way we spell All it, Hallows Eve. Yeah, and the way we spell it now is like the uh americanized, you know, thoroughly washed clean of just like, you know, what does ween even mean? Halloween. <laughs> Well, Ween, they put out an album, Chocolate and Cheese. Um, no, I I always have trouble spelling Halloween because I'm dyslexic, and there's too many sets of two letters together, so I always forget, like, okay, there's two E's, two L's, is there two O's? I have to do that little calculation in my head every single time I spell Halloween. Looking at it right now, it seems that it's pro- it, it is probably closer to Hallow's Eve because you have the hallow part and then the apostrophe between E and E, so that usually denotes, like, evening or something. So that's probably what it's going for. Uh, I applaud you for using the old school spelling, Aaron. Keep doing that. Um, Aaron, by the way, he goes by the name uh, Young Wii on Nintendo platforms. So that's uh, the word young and W-I-I. So if you want to look him up, I don't know, Lucas, maybe you... Uh, can play some Splatoon with him or something. Yeah, what's up, young Wee? And those are our emails. Thank you, everybody. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Today, we are talking about another uh, episode here in Season 5. We're going to start it off with The Election. Yeah, we didn't think we were going to have a Halloween episode in time for Halloween, but it turns (laughs) out there's nothing spookier than civics. Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> it's spooky in a way because it's like spookily prophetic because the episode starts off with uh years and years into the future muffy being uh being made into being what's what's the word elected not elected but uh sworn in ina- sworn in inaugurated into inaugurated. the office of the president of the united states possibly so, the first woman president muffy crosswire yeah i would say more likely than not unfortunately um, so President Muffy, better or worse than what we got now? <laughs> uh, take Arthur away. We gotta get Arthur out of here. Who is this guy? <laughs> take him away, Binky. I don't know. I, uh, Muffy's, like, strikes me as, like, I mean, I think we've had presidents that, uh, 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 I don't want to say reigned, um, presidents that fulfilled their duty similar to a way that Muffy would. Like, I, Muffy... Uh, strikes me as like a Reaganite or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like well, Muffy, Muffy's out there busting unions and oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, Muffy. But you, you know what? Muffy might be Thatcher esque. For our uh, UK, but, for our UK listeners, there. But oh. I, uh, I do love this little sequence of Muffy being the president, and then Arthur, who's like. In, in Muffy's defense, Arthur is, like, kind of doing it to himself here to an extent, how he's just, like, walking to the front of this crowd, and he's like, hey, Muffy, remember me from elementary school? Like, I was thinking about if this really happened, like, if someone went up to, like, Barack Obama and was like, hey, Barry, remember <laughs> me? Chicago <laughs> elementary school, hey, hey, like, that would be kind of crazy, like, they probably would take that guy away. 
Yeah, like Arthur's Arthur is doing himself no favors. Kind of almost comes across as like a a Unabomber type figure. Of this, or yeah, like, or like someone who like the National Enquirer. Like I was in Muffy's elementary school, and look at all these secrets I know about her. Yeah, it's just, just like, hey, hey, Muffy, we went to elementary school together. I'm gonna kill you. And he's just like, got the, got the gun. <laughs> um, Muffy here has a line. Uh, so she's actually sworn in by Supreme Justice the Brain, and Sue Ellen is there too. Um, she, you know, addresses the crowd and says, "Ask not what I can do for you, rather what you can do for me." So at least in this case, we have somebody who, uh, a president who is like nakedly self-serving. It's true. I could shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and not lose any voters. It's just, every time you do that voice, it, remi- it reminds me that Jesus and Marrow isn't on the air anymore, and it makes me sad. Oh, I know, I know, especially considering what's going on in the news right now. That Showtime oh. show can't happen soon enough. I know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I-, I, I, and I hope they have the same YouTube coverage that they did before. Uh, once I realized what this episode was about, I was it reminded me of, did you ever see the late 90s uh, cult black comedy election starring <laughs> Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick? No, I never have. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, without the infidelity, there's a lot of elements of that in this. Like, especially later on when Muffy's, like, selling muffins. Um, that's, like, a huge plot point in that movie. Essentially, the movie's about Reese Witherspoon trying to, uh, become class president. Uh, mm. and she slowly begins to ruin Matthew Broderick, who's a teacher's life. And so he begins to unethically try to sabotage her, uh, her campaign. Uh, but that's what all of this stuff really reminded me of. And you should check that movie out. It's a weird little black comedy from like the late nineties. Sure. I've heard good things about it. Maybe I, I will, I will see about that. Uh, so yes, Arthur is trying to get Muffy's attention, but, uh, she references something like, uh, Arthur says, remember the class election? And Muffy says, never mention that to me again. And she gets her, uh, head of security, Binky Barnes to take Arthur out of there. Not only like take him away, but they put him in a van. Yeah, like, they I don't do. know where that I don't know where that van's going to some CIA black site or something. And Arthur was never seen again. <laughs> so this episode is a- indeed about a class election in Mr. Ratburn's class. It's a mock election, so it's not really for any. Uh, uh, you know, they're not going to student council or anything like that. I don't remember th- the closest thing I ever had to class elections. We never. I don't think we ever did a fake one. But there was, like, class elections to student council and all that kind of thing. I don't remember that happening until, like, high school. Yeah, so in high school, we had a mock parliament, but that was in poli-sci class. And there wasn't yeah. really an election component. It was just, like, holding parliament. Um, yeah. And yeah. we definitely did have, like, a student president. Uh, but, again, that was in high school for student council. So, yeah, never uh, – I always, as a kid, because I would watch TV shows, I always wanted to have a mock election. I love this stuff. Uh, not to get too ahead of myself with this episode here, but like all this civicsy stuff is like so up my alley. So even as a little kid, I was like, I want to have a mock election. I want to make posters and stuff like that. But uh, it was never really part of the curriculum here in Canada. It holds no interest for me, but it, it's definitely for the kids who like it. They like it a lot. So uh, I, I, I'm sorry that you never got to have that experience uh, when it probably would have been a lot of fun. Mm. Muffy is immediately going to run uh because she just kind of see kind of sees the opportunity in it not so much for the uh more so for the i i guess the power the you clout, might say the clout. the clout she's she's a clout shark and arthur does seem genuinely interested in it but also has no real desire to run but we get another instance it's funny i was actually listening to some of our old episodes and i was listening to the one uh uh locked in the library where buster's like uh arthur He's he's Arthur's hype man, and he gets him in trouble. And Buster again, re- re- reverting to this hype man role for Arthur. He's just like Arthur, you should run. And Arthur's like, ah, I don't think so. He's like, and he says, everybody likes you. You can win. <laughs> and then he he forcefully like he's like, I nominate Arthur. And then Arthur gets like a really positive response. And in fact, he gets a chant. I didn't think that Arthur was so popular that he had like a chant. He he would have a chant going for him. He is the main character of the show, so uh, when Arthur's not on screen, the character should be asking, "Where's Arthur?" So to your so to your point, uh, you know, if you're interested in like civics, politics, how uh, this sort of thing works, this is actually a really interesting distillation of the of the uh, electoral process. Uh, essentially, what a lot of the episode is is 
Arthur and Muffy competing with each other. And we get these kind of asides from a lot of the characters of like, uh, you know, brain brain saying that, you know, you have to make sure that you're speaking out about the right issues. Buster's like, you need to, you need to make sure you have a few good jokes. And there's like all this kind of thing about like speech writing and stuff yeah. like that. But it says, uh, uh, Arthur political campaigns are well staffed and heavily financed. <laughs> But it's true, and it's and, actually oh, absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's a, actually a pretty good rudimentary way of understanding, uh, you know, how things work in an election year and what uh, electoral candidates would have to go through from you know a mayoral race to the to a presidential race. Binky tells Arthur that his uh, slogan should be four score, and six years ago I decided to become president, so vote for me. Um, another aspect about this episode, I love it when Arthur does the custom transitions. Uh, I feel uh-huh. like it's not as often as they mm. were doing them in, like, season one. Uh, but that just makes it all the more special when they do pop up. So we have these custom, like, almost it reminded me of the 80s Transformers cartoon of when it's a Muffy scene, we see the Muffy flyer. And when it's the Arthur scene, uh, we see the vote for Arthur flyer uh, as the scene transition. Yeah, good point there. Um, yeah, so Arthur is kind of a bit more reluctant. He's not as involved in the process. It's more like... Uh, some of the other kids involving themselves, but Muffy is, you know, delegating tasks to Francine and Sue Ellen, so she is, she's all in it to win it. She's got the, she's got the backing of big used car with her father. We even get, so they are learning more about kind of the process for presidential election Ratburn's class. We had a couple of cutaways here. Um, I forget exactly which, um, which president that Muffy is thinking of, but we essentially get a flashback of like Muffy and Hamilton times. Yeah. So I like, I'm a junkie for this stuff. We've talked about this before, but I'm like a big, like I love uh, political history and that kind of stuff. So like learning about presidents, um, this stuff will always be interesting to me. So I, I thought like, see the Arthur characters as various presidents was like really entertaining. Uh, Binky, I think it was, was, was it Woodrow Wilson who said, speak softly and carry a big stick? No, no, it's Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy which Roosevelt, is, excuse which me. Which is perfect. Like, Binky is so perfect to be a Teddy Roosevelt type. They kind of even look like each other. Like, when they have Binky dressed up as Teddy Roosevelt with the tidy glasses, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was great. And, Bu- and Buster does the, uh, a chicken in every pot. It's like them picturing themselves as president, and Buster's, like, literally holding up a pot and a dead chicken. Well, yeah, that's the thing is they're kind of misunderstanding the po- like what these phrases mean. They're taking them literally. So, like, when Binky's Teddy Roosevelt, he has, like, a giant, like, club as if he's, like, bang, bang, Bam Bam from uh, uh, the Flintstones. And then uh, Buster's like, why did the chicken cross the road to get in this pot? And then, like, nobody laughs. And he's like, ugh, tough crowd. And, but, yeah, and Muffy was talking about the Louisiana Purchase. And she's like, next I want to purchase Paris because of the fashion and all this kind of stuff. Oh, was she... Uh... Not oh geez, was she uh, Thomas Jefferson? Yeah, Louisiana Purchase. Yeah, y- there you go. See, like my uh, my American history is pretty much uh, nada. I'm, unfortunately, I don't know as much about our neighbors to the south as maybe I should. The, there's a great part here where like already Muffy is uh, like separating Francine uh, from Arthur. They're, she's just like drawing lines in the sand. Uh, Arthur and Buster are like quote unquote campaign strategizing back at home. And DW bursts into the room and she's like, Arthur, you're not even funny. Why would anyone vote for you? She's like, your campaign colors, you haven't picked them out? Yellow and blue. So boring. What about white and pink? She actually makes some pretty good uh, some pretty good points. And I feel like DW would be somebody who would really get into student election. Well, we talked about it before. DW wants to be the president. When she met Bill Clinton, Slick Willie, she was talking about how she wanted to be the president. Uh, we get a we get a couple of Muffy's campaign slogans the next day as uh, they see her they see the posters that she made. Uh, I liked not a toughie vote for Muffy. There's also like a when things are dire vote crosswire. So she's got she's got the uh, the semantics of it down pretty well. This is when we start to I forgot that this is a mock election because they start to overpromise. Like, in some of these campaign uh, uh, posters, like, Muffy starts to outline sort of her her campaign promises. And, like, eventually we learn it's stuff like uh, fixing up the girls' washroom, gourmet lunches in the cafeteria. Things that the student body obviously would not be able to impact because they cost yeah. money. Uh, but I guess it's all a mock election, so you could literally just say whatever you want. 
Uh, she also gets a new uh, presidential hairdo, which is the hairdo we actually saw in the cold open to this episode. I don't know why, but it kind of reminded me of Leslie Nope a little bit. I'm trying to figure out if this is a specific parody or is this just like in general, like women in politics tend to have this hair or is this like a parody of Hillary Clinton or like, is this a specific hairdo? Um, no idea, but it is funny. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, my, my, my instinct would say Hillary Clinton, but, uh, of course she wouldn't run for president until many, many years later. So I'm not sure. Muffy is, uh, and again, kind of a big, tactic here is that she's giving out buttons and as you said later she's giving out uh muffins to people and kind of shaking hands and all that kind of stuff arthur and his and his uh group try and step things up a little so they create these like um pamphlets of why you should vote for arthur so they like handmade yeah they're, they're like folded construction paper they take polaroid photos of arthur and put and glue them in there it's very it's very charming in like a little kid way and he hands out the pamphlets does the shaking hands thing and then muffy starts to muckrake a little bit she's like if arthur wins he'll bring in his dog and uh, he'll have to clean up at we'll have to clean up after him and arthur says that's not fair and then muffy responds with a very cynical line you think politics are fair you're so naive. <laughs> I love this. This was great. They didn't indulge in like the cynicism of modern politics as much as they could have. But I mean, I think that's appropriate for a kid's show. But yeah. I mean, they... even for a kid's show, they couldn't help themselves that much. I mean, it, and it, it, I mean, it is true, but it's something that like you wouldn't necessarily put into a show for kids where it's just like, oh, he's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, may the best person win and, you know, all, uh, treating everybody fairly it's like no sometimes people win because they have more money or something mm. like that or they just have better sway i don't know i i just i was just like oh that's a that's a little dark muffy makes uh, a great face when she's saying this too like she kind of scrunches her eyes and she's like you're so naive <laughs> uh we eventually do the uh the in-class debates on kind oh, of basically highlight of the issues. episode highlight of the episode i loved this uh, what it essentially boils down to is that Muffy has the she overpromises and she has the backing of her family's money. Both of those sound a little familiar. <laughs> and Arthur sounds a little familiar, too. So he's talking about, you know, he's uh, I forget what some of his changes were, but they're a bit more modest in uh, in, in in comparison to Muffy's. And so um, one, a big element of Arthur's campaign is that he uh, like when he promises like he's like, we could have a, a fun raiser yeah. oh. little little humor there. And then oh, Buster God. Buster's like killing himself laughing. <laughs> no one else is laughing in the room. And Buster's like killing himself. And then he's it like, but the point of the fundraiser is that Arthur's saying that like we can come together as a community and all work together because that's what's important. Um, and then Muffy respond retorts with, "If I'm elected, you won't have to lift a finger. My daddy will pay for everything. He's rich." Yeah, and I I, I wrote down the part where Arthur's like says fundraiser. He's just like little joke there, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> it's as bad as please clap." Oh my God. It's just it just made me cringe so bad. People are always talking about Pokemon Go, Will, Ooh. but they need to Pokemon Go to the polls. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> so yeah, it's essentially Arthur with a bit of a utopian ide idealism versus kind of Muffy's more uh, pocket-lined, over-promising. Uh, did did Arthur kind of strike you as uh, kind of a Bernie Sanders type here? Uh, not quite. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I maybe, definitely think maybe. Ar Arthur was a lot more reasonable for what he could accomplish in elementary school. I just feel like the idea of Arthur saying, like, we would work together as a community and uh, grow together is one of those one of those kind of quote unquote left leaning ideas that like the other side would pounce on and be like, what are you like? What are you talking about with this utopian stuff? I mean, I I like it, but. At the same time, it is kind of a little bit of a uh, star, stars in eyes, uh, like dreamy thinking. Well, we have a third candidate who enters yes, the fray. The, po the, uh, poli the, the political maverick himself. Yes, we have the Ross Perot of Elwood City. The, the <laughs> oh God, what was the a Libertarian Party guy's name? Um, uh, Gary, Gary Johnson? 
Uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Oh, Frank. Oh, this is going to... My friend who, like, is obsessed with Gary Johnson memes is going to kill me. I think it's Gary Johnson who was like, uh, I don't know where Aleppo is. What's Aleppo? Anyway, we have our, our third party candidate, uh, the Ross Perot of Elwood City, Binky Bards, who is just, like, soapboxing in the back corner, being like, these two guys are boring. What I would do if I was the president would be there was no homework ever, and you'd have one absence a week that you could just, like, use. And all, he says, like, a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then there's, like, murmurs in the crowd. They're like, oh, Biggie's got some good ideas. And even Mr. Rappert has to admit, he's like, I think Biggie should be a write-in candidate. Yeah, they they have a he he talks to Arthur and Muffy is just like I think that he should be a writing candidate, like you said. Uh, Arthur has no problem with it, but Muffy Muffy gets venomous here. She's she's <laughs> like he like he's he's loud, he's rude, he shouldn't be on the panel. It's just like you can see now how politics <laughs> brings out the absolute worst in Muffy. But uh, I mean, we'll get in, we'll get into this later as to how kind of Muffy's character was in this show. But she like is absolutely merciless and she she almost like whines and stomps to try and get her way but binky still gets on the ballot and she blames arthur for not having the backbone to to say no uh so binky is eventually on the ticket yeah so they they're making their final push this is where muffy has the muffins uh in order to get people's people's votes but eventually which was uh, strictly not allowed in my school elections in high school when we had the uh, student council elections yeah uh, you were not allowed to do free giveaways that was like explicitly stated no and i think that i think that's a good rule but i'm sure <laughs> with less on the line here they can pretty much just go for it and binky binky actually wins and he proclaims binky the body barnes is president does he say that? I missed that. He That's him, crazy. He, he calls himself Binky the Body Barnes. It was all right. He does like he does the Hogan flexing routine. It's great. When was Jesse Ventura elected governor of Minnesota? Just a second. The late nineties. Like it would have been around. Oh, okay. So this might be a Jesse Ventura reference. I thought it was like two thousand two. No, no. It was uh, by the time Beyond the Mat came out, which was like nineteen ninety eight. He had already been elected. That's right. He was because he was a sitting governor. During the XFL, when he was doing commentary for the XFL. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. He was Man. the governor for Minnesota in 1998 uh, to, I don't know. Maybe he still is. Who knows? I don't think so, though. Uh, but that's funny. That must be like a direct reference to Jesse Ventura. That's fun. You know, I spoke to my people at the <laughs> Pentagon, but they wouldn't. <laughs> such a good Jesse Ventura. That's like my favorite impression you've ever done. That's incredible. Thank you. But oh they but they wouldn't let me in. Binky the body burns. Why was he elected over Muffy? Campaign tampering at its finest. <laughs> the Predacon. Uh. <laughs> and so the episode pretty much ends here. It's like Binky is elected and he also... Uh, he doesn't realize that the ele- it was a mock election, so he's trying to use his newfound power to uh, you know, make his promises come true, but Ratburn is trying to impress him of just like, I need to explain to you the meaning of mock election. And yeah, Muffy, it's, uh, Mr. Yeah. Ratburn's like, uh, uh, frustrated. He's like getting frustrated. He's like frustratingly trying to like talk Binky down. Uh, and Binky is like yelling over the shoulder of Mr. Ratburn, trying to like incite some sort of riot or something. He's just yeah. like yelling things from his platform over Mr. Ratburn's shoulders. Mr. Ratburn's like, no, we can't actually do these. It's a mock election. And he's like, no homework. This, this, and this. You hear Mr. Ratburn, like he starts to get like pretty, you don't hear Mr. Ratburn yell that often. He's like, we won't allow pro wrestling matches to be shown on TV in each classroom all day. That 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 was that was the moment where I was like, "Oh, I'm voting for Binky." <laughs> Make no mistake. And uh, Muffy Muffy walks out of the room, and she she says, kind of harkening back to the cold open of just like, "I will never forgive you for this, Arthur." And Buster's just like, "Well, that Muffy, she takes things really seriously sometimes." That's pretty much that's pretty much how that episode wraps up. Uh, before we get into our second half, uh, we will uh, throw to this. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, 
send us an email and get it read on the show at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so we have the election behind us. Let's go to this one. Francine goes to war. And uh, I, fe- I feel like this was also pretty familiar since I was recently listening to our episode on Locked in the Library. By the way, great episode. Listen to that one. I was... Dang, is that like episode three or episode two? That's it's, one of the early ones. It's uh, within the first 15 at least. It might be over 10. But, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, go check, go check out our archives. Um, and we, because Arthur is talking about like Francine's great, but sometimes she can be like really mean and stuff like that. And this actually ends up being like uh France like Francine's greatest hits of being mean. It's essentially it's it's um like a, a weird kind of clip show to this cold open where it's like Arthur going over the times Francine was really mean and then Francine kind of coming back at Arthur with the times that he's been kind of mean. I, I, I forgot of about Francine screaming as Thomas Edison. I feel like that's Francine at her most Francine. Like, it's just so over the top as she's, mm. like, screaming into the gramophone. Uh, but then, okay, so I had a question about when Francine started to list things that Arthur was mean about. Did the no-guessing episode happen? Did I just completely forget about that? It did, yeah. That was, um, <laughs> that was like, season two, I want to say. Jeez, this memory of mine with the mirrors and all that stuff. We watched it, that episode. It was a. Uh, I mean, we've done so many of them at this point. That that was that was one of the ones where Buster was gone. So. Uh, oh, okay. I so, see. I see. Uh, and, and and like he kind of talked to Buster in his imagination. That's how they got him in that episode. Okay, it's starting to come back to me. I was like, huh, I remember that being a fun episode. Like from a kid, I remember that being a fun episode. I wonder if we talked about it. So we must have. Anyway, this cold open isn't really much of anything. It's just kind of Francine and Arthur end up bickering with each other. Francine starts off the episode. She and Catherine kind of get into a bit of a sibling squabble here. Francine and Catherine's relationship is actually, like, it's really well done in terms of, like, how, like, sisters of their ages would act with one another. Like, they have this, like, they have a a sisterly kinship, uh, but they also kind of bicker in the same way, and the the way their rooms are laid out, everything it's like it it feels real, like it's it feels authentic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I yeah, I I agree with you. Anyway, they they kind of get into this heated pillow fight, but then something uh, somebody starts knocking on the wall next to them, and uh, they kind of go and go and tell their dad, and because it's spooky. <laughs> uh, and he says, "Oh, that's probably our new neighbor, Mrs. Parizzo." Uh, and Francine says, what kind of a loser bangs on a wall like that? I'm with Francine on that one. To which, to which Oliver Frensky is like, well, you girls can get a little loud sometimes. And then we're introduced to, uh, so it wasn't, it, last episode we were introduced to my new favorite Arthur ca- character, Cave Daddy. Uh, yeah. We, Cave Daddy, uh, sorry, friendship ended with Cave Daddy because my new best friend is the landlord of Francine's building. <laughs> who is like you want to talk about authentic and accurate portrayals this is like every landlord i've ever had in my life this is incredible yeah that's a that's a good point <laughs> it, it like it it might even be like to me he kind of seemed like uh like maybe the assistant landlord like the maintenance guy that kind of fills in for the landlord when he's away or something or sometimes like the landlord does both roles right where the landlord yeah. is like d- doing the management and oversight but also if like you, something goes wrong they come in and like fix it up in your apartment uh either way this guy like it's one of those things where you can tell the writers brought in aspects of real life because this is just like so completely realistic like this genre of person of like, uh, excuse me. Yeah, because it's Francine drumming up on the roof, and the uh, the landlord comes in. And he's just like, I have a message from a uh, uh, Mrs. Paro something, <laughs> uh, and uh, he's wearing like overalls. And, yeah, like, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 you're right. The vo- the voice acting and the approach that he does is very uh, based in reality. It seems like he could be a real person. Um, 
other than the fact that he's a dog. Uh, and he's just tell Mrs. Perizzo has asked you to stop drumming, and Francine says, "Tell her to go suck an egg," which, which is might cl- be yeah, that's like the closest to swearing Arthur's gotten, I believe. That's like crazy. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> other than Francine saying "shoot" in that one episode, it's just like Francine's gonna have a little bit of a potty mouth on her pretty soon. I feel like uh, if I told, if I repeated this as a child, like if I told someone to go suck an egg as like a six-year-old, my parents would have been pissed. Yeah. They would have not have been pleased. No, I, I think you're right. Uh, and she, so she says, tell her to go suck an egg. And the landlord just goes, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> so uh, Francine's dander is up with this Mrs. Perizzo. Uh So she's going to try and get back at her by, uh, first off, by... Uh, Play, uh, doing a prank phone call on her, the classic, uh, is your refrigerator running? But man, her prank phone call game is weak. Well, this is, so we have prank phone calls pre-caller ID, uh, oh, what's her name, Ed Butkin? Ed Butkin. This, this, this is, uh, this is Ed Butkin. Because <laughs> she, she doesn't have her con thought up before she even gets on the phone, and Muffy's kind of coaching her and asks if her refrigerator's running. And then Muffy calls back and just like, it's like, my friend Francine, I mean, Ed Butkin, wanted to know if your refrigerator's running. And, of course, Mrs. Perizzo hangs up and just like, yeah, because your game sucks. You gotta- Long, Longmount Potion Castle, this is not. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, the, no, the jerky boys, Francine and Muffy, are not. <laughs> we, get, we get an exchange here. Oliver is just like, what have I told you about making prank phone calls? Francine counters with not to do them unless they're absolutely necessary. <laughs> so we actually get, um, we do get a lot of Oliver Frensky in this episode, which I'm very happy with, but it's actually him being like, uh, kind of laying down the law, dad. So he like grounds Francine for a couple of days, uh, for doing the prank calls. And he's like very much takes the initiative in trying to get Francine, uh, to befriend Mrs. Parazo later on. Just a just a different a different side to him. I'm I'm used to being him being like the fun loving goofy dad, but this is him actually putting in the work as serious dad. They're tr- they're tr- brainstorming of ways to try and uh, again get more get back at Mrs. Perizzo. They uh, Muffy drafts a uh, spotty a grammatically spotty letter. Well, so they get the idea because Buster, just a quick note, Buster's like, yeah, yeah. three people moved out of my building when it was infested with termites. Uh, and then the kids are like, oh, that's great. We could put termites in the building. And then Brain's like, actually, it would take several years for them to completely infest the building. But then they just decide to pretend the building has, like, an infestation. An infestation of rats in the basement. That are chewing uh, away at the concrete. Uh, we and, and, of course, it's really not a convincing letter at all. It's just like, we don't mean to scare you, but the building, spelled without a U, is about to fall down due to many rats in the basement they are chewing the cement, spelled with an I, and becoming a menace. So if you know what is good for you, you will move away as soon as you can, signed the manager. Imagine signed if you got... the Zodiac Killer. Like... <laughs> Imagine if you got this under your door. And and Muff- but, but to her credit, Muffy says, just drop some coffee stains around the edges and it'll be foolproof. Uh, also, uh, Francine is the one who points out to Muffy. She's like, uh, cement is spelt with an E. So then you can see she crossed out the I and put a little floating E above it, which is a fun touch. <laughs> uh, so Francine goes to sli- uh, slip this letter under Mrs. Perizzo's door, but then she gets locked out of her apartment. A couple good hop- details here. So Mrs. Perizzo's door, perfect old lady apartment door. I don't know how many old lady apartments you've been to, but they always have something like that hat that's hanging on the outside. They either yeah. got a hat or like a wicker reef or like there's just something very specific about it. you go to an apartment building you can spot an old lady apartment from a mile away just by the door and welcome that alone. Uh, good point. I didn't even think of that, but uh, I think yeah, it does seem like a flourish that an older an older woman would have. Uh, Francine has to hide behind a fern and uh, almost gets caught, but then doesn't. And then, yeah, this is a Metal Gear Solid right here, as Fred seems like <laughs> crouched behind the fern in complete plain sight, uh, but still goes undetected. Fran- Francine uh, gets the letter sent back to her, uh, so she has to think of something else. She tries to she tries to use a, a Prunella trick 
which I think this I think this is a great use of Prunella. It's it's she's only around <laughs> I, for like a minute or two. I just found this confusing. Like I didn't I like it's Prunella pretending to be a ghost, but it's like if she's pretending to be a ghost, why is she wearing like this headdress? Like is she legitimately <laughs> trying to cast a curse? Like I thought it was funny too, but I, I also got a, ca- a kick out of like just how kind of nonsensical it all is. Well, yeah, it's like Prunella's not meant to be seen. She's got her kind of like head. She's got her like uh, Kreskin head wrap on, and Francine is like jingling a bunch of spoons that are attached by a rope. So they're just pretending that Mrs. Perez's apartment is haunted. But uh, and then and then and then later, Prunella's just like now, just put this rubber spider on top of her door. It never fails, as if she's done this like before. Like we get a great moment where. Where uh, uh, she's like, the spirits are speaking, and it's just like riffraff coming from the vents of like, who's making all that racket? Turn it down! Like, like immediately people are just incensed. So Francine uh, tries to trick her with the spider, and she's even like, ew, I hate spiders. And then it turns out later, uh, Mrs. Perizzo put the spider on top of Francine's door, so she like freaks out for a minute. And... Great delivery from Francine's voice actor. Like... Just the like, oh my gosh, spider, spider, spider! Like it's very good. There is a part, and I and I really wish I could remember after which one. Uh, there's a part where Francine says, "This means war," and Oliver Frensky is like, "Uh, what did you say? <laughs> have you ever had cause to say this means war?" Oh, I'm sure I have, but I I I, I cannot recall. It would have been like when I was in elementary school or something. Yeah, that's like the only time I could figure. It's just like, I've, I don't think I've ever said that particular phrase in my life. <laughs> Eventually, Oliver finds out about all this stuff, and he says that I have, he says, I've invited you, or you are cordially invited to uh, Mrs. Perizzo's apartment, and Francine really doesn't want to go. Um, She's mind crushed, a la <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. Like he's like, which you've graciously accepted her invitation. She drops a plate, and then the screen shatters. Oh as yeah, as if Yami Yugi just beat her in a duel and sent her to the <laughs> shadow realm. <laughs> Francine is telling this to her friends, and she says, "Somebody, I think Arthur's like, do you want to go?" And Arthur's and sorry, Francine says, "I'd rather eat dog food." And Buster says. Wow, even I don't want to eat dog food, which was my line of the episode. Uh, so Francine does get, she like she gets all dressed up nice, as her mother says, uh, made her wear a dress, and goes over to Mrs. Perizzo's, and there's this great moment where she opens the door. Mrs. Perizzo is just kind of a, uh, I'd say she's maybe like a cat or a bear or something like that, um, uh, but she's, you know, just kind of an, ol- an older woman, maybe in her 60s or early 70s. Uh, still pretty active, and they kind of take a look at each other, and she says, like, you must be Francine. You must be Mrs. Parizzo. And there's a beat, and then she just goes, I knew I'd like you. Come on in. And What a uh, famous animated character uh, does uh, Francine's dress remind you of, Will? Famous animated character. So her dress... Let's say, let's, like, here's a hint. It's a trio. It's a trio. Okay. So she's got, she's got on, like, almost... She's got on like a blue dress that's going over a, uh, I would say, kind of peach colored sweater. Do you want another hint? Yeah. Banana. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now I. Oh yeah, now I see it. Oh. For those time. of you looking for a Halloween costume this year, it's the best costume any year. Sexy minion, baby. Let's go. <laughs> this is very minion esque. That's 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 a terrific point. She just she just need would need like the goggles. Well, and that would... I'll I'll tell you what. Will mustard came back in a big way this summer and a little bit into the fall. Like every everybody's wearing mustard these days. Like the color. Okay. And uh, whenever girls pair mustard or guys pair mustard with uh blue overalls, all I can think about is those Bob and the gag, you know. <laughs> oh boy, man. Yeah. I was uh, like I was thinking like Huey, Dewey and Louie? No. <laughs> like animated trios. Clearly the minions aren't what I think of, but I totally see it now. Go back to the episode. Uh maybe I'll try and post a screen cap this week. Um yeah, so basically the rest of the episode it, like the next couple of minutes are just like Francine finding out that Mrs. Perizzo is actually like awesome, a p- Olympic athlete. Yeah, who went she's, to Wimbledon? 
she went to Wimbledon. She played tennis, but her real sport was horse riding. Uh, she uh, Francine was initially told that she was invited for tea at Mrs. Perizzo's, but then Mrs. Perizzo's just like, I hate tea. Do you want a soda? How do you feel about chocolate chip cookies? And it turns out that Francine's initial uh, read on Mrs. Perizzo was very incorrect. So she sets out trying to help Mrs. Perizzo uh, find some some friends since she just moved there and she doesn't really know anybody. So she like asks Mrs. McGrady if she can join her like what is it bridge club mm. at the Moose Lodge. Uh, bring it back to that old episode and even introduces Mrs. Perizzo to her friends and uh, somebody I think Buster is just like she doesn't look like a witch and Francine's like Buster no and then just. And Mrs. Perizzo starts to go into the story of just like, I never told you about the time when I was in Romania and, and met this fellow who said he was an old warlock. And I was like, I want to hear this warlock story. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Perizzo sounds awesome. Mrs. Perizzo gets introduced to the rest of the apartment building uh, via Francine's dad. And in the end of the episode is Francine and Catherine trying to do their homework in their room. But Mrs. Perizzo is the one who's making too much noise because she's having too much fun. So, she's having like a dance party in the next room. Yeah, it sounds little, lit. Little house rave. And uh, Catherine tries to bang on the wall, and they end up doing shaving a haircut. And that's kind of the oh. end of the episode. And there, uh, let me tell you something. There's nothing more frustrating when you bang on a wall to make someone quiet down, and then they bang on the wall back. Like I, I, I it didn't happen to me, but I saw it happen in front of me, and that person was not pleased. Really, I never thought to try that. No, like, so think about it. Like, so you're banging on the wall to make someone quiet down, right? Yeah. And instead of quieting it down, they just bang on the wall back at you. It's not a fun feeling. No, actually, that's a great point. I never thought about that. I've had had a wall banged on me a couple of times, so uh, I wish I would have thought of that. Oh, my goodness. You don't strike me as the type that would get a wall banged on them. That's crazy. Uh, it's more. It was, it was definitely not at my own apartment. It's like during a New Year's party, and my friends yeah. are, my friends and I are getting a little silly. So, Ooh. and that's yeah, that's pretty much the end of uh, Francine goes to war. I don't know if Mrs. Perizzo ever comes back, but I really hope she does. I hope she's not a one-off. She's entered into the uh, uh, the archives of one-off Arthur characters, along with Arthur's uncle, Cave Daddy, and of course uh, the landlord. Well, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we will uh, uh, find uh, get a return from all of these characters. I mean, Gunky came back a few times, so that's true. Gunky, anything's possible. Let's uh, rewind it back now to the election. How do you feel about that one, Lucas? I love the election. I thought it was a fun episode. It's de- it's definitely a very Lucas episode. Um, uh, anybody who knows me who knows I'm like a sucker for like the civic stuff, the the American political history stuff. Uh, and so even like the educational aspects, like there's parts of this episode that get very like educational where like during the debate in between the jokes, Mr. Rapper and is like, see, both candidates have put forward their points. Now you like it's very just like civics lesson, uh, but I enjoy all that stuff. So I, I really liked it. Um, I thought Muffy made a great villain. I loved how Binky got the populist vote for it by just being like, no school, essentially. Uh, I, I just thought it was a fun episode. I agree. Um, it was it was very interesting to, to kind of see the how you break down this kind of thing for a child's understanding. And in doing so, I mean, you're able to kind of effectively communicate it to most of the audience. And I thought it was done pretty well here. Um I wanted to kind of get into how, you know, normally we, for at least for the first few seasons, we were pretty harsh on Muffy because she seemed to be a pretty, like, one-note, stereotypical kind of rich character. And while I was watching it, I was like, man, Muffy is really, like, like this, like I said, it kind of brings out her worst, this situation. But I think it works better here because it's actually to, like, serve the purpose. She's kind of the antagonist of the episode. And by putting her in this situation where it's, like, her desire for like you said, clout and uh, power is uh, what kind of blinds her to maybe like what it's all about, like actually learning and having fun. And so I thought she served as a very effective antagonist for Arthur and later Binky. So uh, whereas normally I would be like, ah, Muffy was really annoying in this episode. I actually thought she served 
the uh, the story here a lot better in being that character that she can be. And uh, I, I really like I really thought Binky was good in this, of course. And uh, I, yeah, it just kind of brought me back to what it was like being in school and doing and doing this kind of thing. So yeah, yeah highlight, I, I, highlight, highlights of the episode are, are Binky's involvement. Um, again, Muffy as a villain. Uh, definitely like the uh, the imagination sequences of, of uh, Arthur characters as past presidents, especially the three presidents they picked. It's kind of a, a random assortment. Uh, like I would have, I, I wonder which Arthur character would be the best Nixon, maybe Buster. Uh, but all that stuff is like really great, and so I liked it. And uh, as for Francine goes to war, there's I don't there's nothing wrong with that episode, but it's kind of there's not a lot to it. It 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 felt a little like lacking, and because like like we were able to kind of summarize the the last almost five minutes of just like, well, uh, Francine finds Mrs. Perizzo new friends. Mrs. Perizzo seems cool. That's kind of it. And I, and I, you know, I know that the message is like, kind of like, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge people before you get to know them, that kind of thing. And I do like the Mrs. Perizzo character. And there are fun ways in which Francine like tries and fails to mess with her. And it, it also kind of puts over the fact that like Mrs. Perizzo like knows what's up. She's pretty smart and she may have done this stuff before herself. But other than that, it's like not a terrifically interesting episode. It's just kind of, it's fine. Like I don't really have any strong feelings for it one way or the other, other than the inclusion of Mrs. Perizzo as a character. And I, but I don't have any faith that we'll necessarily see her again, unfortunately. It's one of those episodes, you know how we always say, like, some episodes, we don't enjoy them that much when we're watching them, and after we have the discussion, we kind of truly appreciate them? Yeah. This episode's kind of the inverse for me, where I had a fun time watching it, but while we're going over it, it's like, oh, I guess it's not, like, anything special. I think what you're describing is that it's very, um, it's kind of cliche, like, it reminds me of an episode of, like, a early 90s, late 80s sitcom, like, it's very much like we've seen this type of story before of, like, again, don't judge a book by its cover, uh, neighbors feuding with one another. It's kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's a well-traveled road. Uh, but I don't know. There's there's some moments that uh, I really appreciated. Go tell her to suck an egg, Ed Butkin. Uh, the the uh, landlord? The, the landlord. Uh, when Francie gets the spider on her. Uh, when Francie, like, drops the plate and gets mind crushed. There's a lot of little moments that I appreciate in this episode, but you're right. Once it comes to the conclusion, there's, like, a good three minutes of just, like, oh, they love each other. They're they're good friends, and it's, like, nothing really changes during that three minutes. It's just kind of a montage. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think uh, I enjoyed it maybe a little bit more than you did, but I definitely think it is a little bit, um, again, a little bit cliched, a little bit rote. Yeah, and I mean it's it is kind of disappointing to categorize an Arthur episode as that, but what kind of makes Arthur stand out as a show is that there are those little touches that kind of make it a bit more memorable. So definitely like not really anything negative to say. It's just kind of like, eh, it washed over me. There there there'll be others, but it was it's fine. Like it's 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 fine if you just want to throw it on or something. Uh, so there you go. The election and Francine goes to war. That's uh, that is our episode for today of Elwood City Limits. Thank you very much for uh, uh, listening. Now we are on pins and needles right now. We're still waiting on any word on uh, the coast's best of Halifax awards for 2018. And of course, once once we get any word at all, we will let you people know. That should be next week. I've already marked myself as interested for the gala, which might be, you know, uh, putting the cart before the horse. But it is open to the public if you want to buy a ticket. So I'm yeah. thinking I might go either way yeah, uh, just I to should, see the festivities. I should, um, do, I should do that too, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. You know, not too excited. I have no uh, idea if we've if we've meddled or not, but it, it is. I am anticipating uh, next week and any news uh, uh, greatly. So, and thank you to everybody who voted for us so long ago. It seems back in the summer, uh, you will soon hear. It's kind of like our own little election. You'll soon hear if we've uh, uh, won or not. Well, the next time you hear from us, will most will be after Halloween. So we hope that you have a safe and happy. Halloween on a Wednesday, of course, but you know, can't. Uh, we'll we'll get we'll get back to Friday and the weekend pretty soon. 
and uh, hopefully it's not too cold where you are for Halloween. And uh, send us your uh, Halloween costumes. We'd love to see. Ooh, uh, especially if it's Arthur, yeah. Yeah, if it's an Arthur Halloween costume, I guarantee we will uh, blow that up on social. We'd love to see uh, your Arthur Halloween costumes, if you've got any. And you can email that into us or send it to our uh, social media. All right, next time on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Sleep No More and Pet Peeved. I think I, I think I remember Sleep No More, and I think that one's going to be, uh, uh, might be, might be a sleeper episode. So until then, again, happy Halloween! Thanks for listening. This is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, tell her to suck an egg. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> happy Halloween. <laughs> Ah, all right, here's a little bonus for the end of the episode. It's called a millennial Halloween nightmare. You go to your mailbox. What do you have? Why, it's a letter from the government. You're being audited. (laughs) You missed a payment on your student loan. No. Your credit score is tanking. I'll never be able to buy a house. (laughs) 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 What would Jesse Ventura think about all that? (laughs) It just means that they're not working hard enough. It means it means that the cr- the crocodile people have taken over and the housing market. I tried to I tried to talk to my friends at Area Fifty One, but they asked, "Who are you?" I should go with Jesse Ventura for Halloween. That wouldn't be too bad. What was his show called? Uh, <laughs> he's like he's like walking to Area Fifty One. And he's like, if I cross this line, they'll shoot me. <laughs> and then he like steps over. He steps over the line. Consp- <laughs> conspiracy theory with Jesse Ventura. Yes! <laughs> okay. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>